The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We are a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never uses magic outside of school, Josh Borboni. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm okay. I'm tired, but otherwise, I think overall I'm good. <laughs> Tired. Which is Josh, the most important part. You have never been tired when we've recorded a show. How is never. this possible? I'm never tired on Sunday <laughs> nights. <laughs> so, uh, how's the week been, though, sir? I know, obviously, we, uh, if listener, we did record a new episode of Dollar Cinema on Friday, so that'll be coming out soon-ish. Uh, but other than that, Josh, how have things been this week? Um, they've been okay. I get to spend some time with friends on Saturday, which was nice. My son was being a nightmare as usual, <laughs> so Excellent. that's always frustrating. I shouldn't say as usual. That makes it sound bad. Uh, he's difficult, <laughs> especially in public with other people. So, I mean, he's a just, kid. He's a kid. I don't, you know, that's just what they do. But right, that make it any less difficult. <laughs> so, sure. uh, yeah. Other than that, yeah, um, it's a good weekend. Today was relatively okay and relatively relaxing. The weather's getting nicer, so mm-hmm. it wasn't horrible to be outside and we didn't have to wear a coat or anything, so that was nice. How about you? How are you feeling? How was your weekend? Uh, you know, overall, things are good. Uh, so last week on Monday, actually, uh, it was spring break week, so I took that time to you know get a couple things done that I... I that it's just easy to do, you know, when you don't have to worry so much about having so many meetings at work. So I went to the dentist. So that was good. Uh, my, I got my clean bill of dental health, though. I will say, I don't know. I feel like dentists shouldn't tell people these things, but apparently um, when I went to go to the dentist, I got, you know, those, one of those like all around the head x-rays that they only do that. My insurance only covers like once every <laughs> five years, but I hadn't had yeah. one. So they did it. And I was like, okay, cool. And their dentist is looking at my x-rays and they're like, wow, you have like really unique teeth. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't really what know what that, that mean? means. <laughs> um, well, apparently, and this is something I didn't know. Apparently, your sinuses, like your sinus cavities sit like right on top of your teeth, like in the, like in the back of your mouth. Yeah. For most people. Mine do not. I actually have bone there. Oh, and all of the roots of my teeth like go up into like these bones, right? So apparently that's very unusual. And she's like, that this is like, you know, your everything looks good. She's like, you know, there's something wrong, but she's like, you have really, really deep teeth roots. They go into the bone, it looks like. So hopefully you never have to have a teeth pulled or a root canal because it's gonna really suck. And I was like, I don't know if you should tell me that. Like, I you knowing that as a dentist is fine. But if I ever now have to have one of those things done, knock on wood, I will never have to. I don't want to. Like, there's no part of me now. Like, not that I wanted to have that happen anyway. But now, if you tell me, oh, we have to, like, pull this tooth or, oh, you have to have a rook now, I'm going to be freaking out. 
because you just told me how horrible it's going to be on the chance that that ever has to happen. Yeah. So I just feel like that maybe that is not the way that should have been handled. (laughs) Well, you can look at it as them prepping you for what's to come. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So I just would like to say that I am a, 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 I am the next evolution of people. Um, so I'm a mutant. That's what I'm going with. I, I, I know that's not true, but that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, so that was one thing. And then, Josh, I totally sprained my ankle this week. And it, you know, it was a really mild sprain. It wasn't a huge deal, you know, d- following the whole rice, you know, raise ice, all that good stuff. So, like, had it kept it mm. elevated, you know, iced it, like all that good stuff. You know, so it was only really, like really kind of annoying for a few days um, and really because I did it on Monday and by Thursday, like I could walk on it just fine. Like it twinged a little bit, but it wasn't like, you know, I can't walk on it bad. Right. Well, now I got to the point where it's pretty much like fine. Like I can go around and do stuff, but it, it's really weird because it feels like I have lost like a ton of like flexibility in my ankle. So, right. like, if I try to sit, like, with, like, crossing my leg or something under me, my foot's just, like, no. Like, it just isn't going to bend that way anymore. And it's very annoying. And it's very, like, you didn't realize, like, all of the ways that, you know, your feet and other parts of you move until suddenly they are just, like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Like, I used to sit like this all the time. Is this just going to be, like, two weeks and then I'll be back or what? But, man, sprained, sprained joints are annoying. And I think part of it's because I'm old, right? Like, I spra- I've definitely sprained ankles and stuff before, but it's been a while. But you kind of prefer it was a break instead of a sprain. So well, feel no, I'm not saying that. I'm more. not saying that. Because <laughs> like, like I said, you know, it is a week and I am, for the most part, like back at it. Like it's, it's yeah. pretty it's pretty fine for the most part. Now, it, it's sore still, but like only if I've been like walking a lot or something like that. But yeah, man, no flexibility in there anymore. Getting old stinks. Losing all that elasticity <laughs> in it and yeah, stuff. It Ugh, horrible. Yeah. But it certainly does stink. Cool. Okay, Josh, for the pregame. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling kind of sad about this ankle thing and all this other good stuff. So I was like, you know what, Josh, what's something you go to show, movie, video game, food, just mm. when you need to, you know, you're trying to help yourself feel a little better. What sure. is that comfort food, show, movie, game, whatever it might be that, you know, I'm not saying that we should eat our feelings, but like, what are things that, you know, kind of help you feel better? Uh, Well, I could do one for uh, all of those. Let's uh, do it. Okay, uh, well, let's start with the show. I guess, well, I have a lot of good, I have a lot of comfort shows, um, which is just kind of stuff I go to bed watching. Um, so it's, right now it's Bob's Burgers. It's usually Futurama. Um, and I, there's a whole gamut of things, right? How I Met Your right. Mother, Friends. Um, things I know so well that I am comfortable like sleeping while they're on and not missing it. But also if I'm like awake, I also find enjoyment in watching them. Right. Uh, so those are easy. Those are easy ones for me. What about you? Do you have a show? If we can go, we can go back and forth. So I don't yeah, just I do mean, it as all. far as show goes, <laughs> oh, I, it probably would be, this is, this is kind of weird. It probably would be like bones. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> that or Castle. Like those are probably like, and I know not that long ago we talked about things we've seen the most, but I don't. I haven't watched a ton of comedies until lately. Like I didn't watch a lot of comedies, you know, growing up or like as I was kind of progressing through television. It wasn't the thing that I really ever watched. It's always kind of been dramas, and some of them are 
like criminal minds is too like jacked up to <laughs> to have that be a comfort show right and there's definitely some messed up things that happen like in bones and castle but there's enough comedy in them and light hardness in them uh to offset uh some of the the messed up things that happen there so for me it's probably one of those two shows um yeah the other one honestly that it might be though I, this hasn't been true for a while but it used to be uh, and more because of my partner was gilmore girls that show used to be on all the darn time in our house um, so I know Gilmore, <laughs> I had a coworker who talked about how much they love Gilmore girls. And then I asked them like three questions about it and they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, these are all references to Gilmore girls, but that's cool. Like, <laughs> and I, I, I kind of felt like very much at the moment, like I was, I, I felt bad cause I wasn't, I genuinely wasn't trying to like show them up. Like I was trying to, I thought we were going to have this like really fun back and forth about Gilmore girls. But then I, I, I realized that they didn't know as much as I did about it. And then I felt kind of like a jerk of like me being like mansplaining, like, oh, like, you don't know this show. And it really <laughs> was not the intent in any way, shape or form. I thought they were going to school me. But uh, yeah, so that might be the odd third one, um, though that one is not as present. Uh, what about movie for you then, Josh? Uh, you know, it, it used to uh, it used to be Army of Darkness. I think it still is, but it's also The Princess Bride. Um, and the Princess Bride is more practical. Yeah, I was say, <laughs> so, the fact that you kind of made fun of you know Bones and Castle, but then Army of Darkness is your comfort. I movie. did not make fun of Bones and Castle at all. You or did. Question. Question. <laughs> you made fun of it as you brought it up. I didn't make fun of it. I think they're they're great. Um, for me, like the easy movie pick is Jurassic Park. But yeah. if I was going to pick something else, it's a little different. I don't. This is gonna, this is pretty cheesy. Uh, I watched the original National Treasure a lot. <laughs> I don't know why. I just really like National Treasure. Okay, I think now it's a fun I'll movie. get judgy. That's <laughs> fine. You can get judgy with me. Uh, that and like the day after tomorrow. I really like that movie too. Sure. Um, you know, I know not great movies, uh, but I I really enjoy them. I think they're enough. There's enough camp in them that I enjoy them, and you can tell they're not taking themselves too seriously. And I just don't have to really think about what's happening, right? You can just kind of sit there and consume, which isn't always ideal. But uh, yeah, they're very, um, e- they're non-challenging movies, right? There's nothing challenging about watching those films. Very, very Correct. easy to sit down and watch. Correct. So. All right, Josh, game. Okay. Um, what is my comfort game? You know, I, I said I had one for everything, but maybe I don't have a comfort game. Um, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn is probably something I would consider a comfort game. Uh, Mass Effect 2. Uh, those aren't very light games. Uh, well, well, Mass Effect 2 isn't. Horizon, I can just go in and and just explore the world. So uh, that's more, I think, comfort game. But I don't have like a... I know a lot of people might have games where they like put it on when they are bored. Like the same game. I don't have that necessarily. Because right. I also don't keep them installed. Yeah. On whatever hardware I have, just because space is so limited these days. It used to be like Mario 3. Oh, okay. um, that was something that I would always just return to. And I probably still could, especially with like the virtual console on the Switch. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, Mario 3 or Horizon uh, Zero Dawn. <laughs> totally very similar games. <laughs> uh, for me, you know, I guess it depends on time frame. Currently, it's Overwatch. I mean, not really even close as far as that goes. Uh, but historically, it would have been whatever first-person shooter I was playing at the time, often Call sure. of Duty. Uh, but 
you know, when I'm just trying to like go in and like not care about anything and not have to like really pay attention. Obviously, I'm paying attention to like what I'm doing in the game, but there's no story to follow. There's no, yeah, you know, anything like that. And, you know, comfort, food, show, game, whatever, usually means that I'm having feelings of some sort uh, and playing a competitive first person shooter usually helps get those feelings out. Uh, so, you know, for me, it's typically one of those. Uh, finally, then, Josh, food, comfort, food, food. Uh, the generic answer is pasta, but honestly, there's one specific meal that came from my grandmother that my uncle makes and my mom makes occasionally. It's Chinese chop suey. Oh. And it's probably my favorite food of all time, and I could probably eat it every day forever. But it, I think what makes it special is it's not that common. It's very rare that I have it. Mm-hmm. Maybe once a year, and that's a big maybe, uh, I would say. On average, about once every two years, I get to have it. Dang. And I really just enjoy the heck out of it. Dang. Okay. Yeah, because for me, when it comes to comfort food, I'm thinking of like, just, you know, there's always, pasta is an easy one. That would be a, a definitely one that would be in the running. Uh, but, you know, a lot of those homemade, like, hearty meals is what a lot of people think of, or the common nomenclature talked about when talking about comfort food. For me, though, if I'm trying to eat, like, if I'm trying to eat my feelings, if I'm trying to eat something to make me <laughs> yeah. feel better, or if I'm, like, yeah. in a certain mood, I really want something, like, to this day, nothing passes up a good burger and fries. Like, there's sure. just something about that, that, and, you know, I'm pretty, like, I don't even want, like, necessarily, like, a super, like, fancy burger, Um like if I was going to like go to a like get a burger at a place to feel better type of a thing, I'm talking like five guys and like their fries. Like that's what I think. Sure. Because that's very similar to the type of burger I make at home, you know, like that sort of a thing. So Smash burgers. Yeah. So, yeah. So that for me is definitely when I think about it, because there are foods that I think I, li- I like to eat more. Like I love tacos. And I eat tacos far more than I eat burgers and things like that. But when it comes to that comfort uh, for me, nothing really beats burgers. So cool. But listener, what are your comfort things? What are the things you go to to help you, you know, maybe turn a frown upside down? Let us know. We'd love to hear <laughs> from you. Uh, and again, big shout out to everyone who has been participating in the Discord, letting us know. It makes us yeah. feel very, very, that's something that is a comfort food for me, is seeing people just talk with us in Discord. It makes um, num, num, nice. num. <laughs> Eat it right up. That's right. So with that, we're going to move on and get ready to go with the show. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are proud to be part of the PSVG Podcast Network, and we encourage you to check out all the shows on the network, like the PSVG Podcast, the Nintendo Shack, PSXP Dollar Cinema, and anything else we decide to do on a podcast feed near you. And we are also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper in that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast archives, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. With that, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing, and I have no doubts this is going to be just chock full of a whole bunch of new games we've never talked about. Right, Josh? I mean, there was definitely the potential for that. I did end up getting... (laughs) I guess they made another Ghostbusters game. It's like four-player co-op. Are you familiar with that? I am not familiar with this. Yeah, so I was with I had my son out on Thursday, and we were in a GameStop, and there he saw an Xbox Ghostbusters game, so we grabbed it. It was it only ended up being ten bucks because I had a like a five dollar gift card, but I haven't played it yet. But it's on the list of games to play. I don't know if it's any good. I don't know what the rating is, but 
Uh, it's just legitimately a 2020 Ghostbusters game or 2019, maybe. Um, I have no idea besides the back of the box, uh, how it plays or looks. So it could be terrible. It wasn't very expensive. So maybe it is terrible, but he's still in his Ghostbusters kick. So, um, uh, I'm trying to shepherd that as I can, as much as I can. <laughs> like, yeah, Ghostbusters are great. Let's do it. So we'll probably play that this week. So I'll be able to talk about it next week. Um, but yeah, uh, there's definitely some games. I have some demos downloaded I want to play. I didn't write this down. I can talk about um, Strangers of Paradise, the Final Fantasy Origins game. I did. Th- I did play the demo. Did you kill all of the chaos? Uh, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the demo proved itself to be a true classic Final Fantasy game because it is so the con the story is so convoluted. I couldn't even tell if it was like that because the demo was breaking up the story, or if that's just how the game is telling the story. It was. Uh, just a mess of a story, but uh, the combat was pretty fun. Uh, I enjoyed the combat. It feels uh very similar to the combat from Final Fantasy VII Remake, except it's not. You're not pausing the battle to like select magic spells. It's kind of just constant battle, so it's more like a Dynasty Warriors esque mix with Final Fantasy. I just couldn't get a handle on the story, and it was very frustrating. Um, because even for a demo, there was way too much talking and not enough explanation about what was going on. Uh, so I'm really curious as to, and like, I think I remembered them saying like your progress carries over to the game and I'm like, how is this even possible? I'm not even playing like sequentially, like I'm not playing the game. I'm playing like bits and pieces. <laughs> So I do have a save point. I did save it at one point, but I'm like, there's no way this can follow the story of the game. So maybe it just carries. I don't even know what you would carry over. It was so bizarre. Right. Um, But it's a demo. So try it if you're interested. Uh, Very weird. Very weird game. (laughs) Okay, Josh. uh, I need to go back here really quick. Go back. I've been trying to figure out what Ghostbusters game you've been talking about. All right. Let me see if I can find it. Is it Ghostbusters? Is it the game that came out with the 2016 movie? That does not have the 2016 movie characters in it, but is it that game that was like a twin stick shooter? It is Ghostbusters, just called Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, I don't know if I can find a date on it. Of course, the first thing it pulled up was Amazon. It's uh, by Activision. Okay. <clears> maybe it's a lot older than I thought it was. Yeah. It probably is. Oh, this yeah. One 2016. Then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Josh. That. That game's uh, Metacritic score is a 30. <laughs> well, as long as my son enters it. <laughs> I, here, here, I'll, I'll give you this. So the developer of the game was Fireforge, and it was published by Activision. Here's one sentence, Josh, that I think will help you understand the quality of the game. Okay. Three days after the game was released, Fireforge Games filed for bankruptcy and ended up being approximately $12 million in debt. Uh, well, the first review on Amazon is... I thought I had finally found a game for my whole family that my whole family can enjoy together. But after an hour, we realized each new level is virtually identical to the last with some minor changes of scenery. Super boring. <laughs> the game mechanics work nice. The graphics are acceptable. That's always nice. But the level design is pretty lame. 
We just find ourselves rushing through the levels, hoping to get some more exci- something more exciting, only to be disappointed each time. <laughs> cool. So I'm glad I only paid $10 for it. <laughs> that's true. There you go. And you know what? If you if you have an hour of fun, that seems that's like it's worth $10. Worth it. sure. Yeah, that's totally seems like it's worth it. Cool. Uh, uh yeah <laughs> so what else have you been playing josh then so i'm still playing horizon forbidden west um minor spoilers i guess i just completed the sea of sand poseidon quest oh, yeah, line yeah. you found spoilers i'm in, you found I'm in las vegas uh which is really cool um i really loved this story beat um, it was cool wasn't it I love those three characters she runs into. Yeah, they're great. Um, and it really, I had tried to memorize their names, but it wasn't going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't write it down. Um, running into these characters really showed me that even being 40 hours into the game, I'm still finding these side characters so incredibly charismatic and well-voiced and even acted and i i think that this encounter is better than any story beat in horizon forbidden west character wise like interaction with uh, npcs and side quests like it really just feels so new and refreshing i don't know that i've seen character animations and story this good in a game in a long time uh Maybe since like, well, not a long time, like Ghost of Tsushima and God of War, but it's like on that same level. And this is side questy stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a main quest, but they're really not part of the big picture. They're just in the way of the big picture. <laughs> but it's just so like they're charming. They're likable characters. And like just doing the underwater stuff and draining that whole area. What a like beautiful mission. It's just blew me away with how good it looks and um yes it's frustrating you can't use a weapon underwater but i think it also adds to the whole point of like um makes it a bit more intense like you have to hide from these creatures it's a part of the game where you actually can't just take on a bad guy and feel like you can do it it adds a little bit more like stealthiness to it um in exploration so i really really enjoyed that and you know, going back to the home base, and I, I just can't get over how much like Mass Effect 2 or 3 it is. It yeah. truly is like they're just like, you know, they must have loved Mass Effect and has <laughs> been like, we we can do that too. And they really do. They really hit it. You have all these characters you can check back in and there's always new um, information you can get from these characters. You, you're learning so much and I'm trying to like, dance around spoilers right because there's definitely like after you do poseidon there's definitely a big story beat that happens with a character that you can interact with at the base that adds more questions and intrigue to the game i'm i just really really loved um that whole story that whole mission quest or whatever you you want to call it it was really good um moreland and stemmer are two yes. of the people in vegas and the third one Starts with an A, but I can't remember his name. He's the one. Yeah, that, it's like Arvind or something uh, like uh, that. Yeah, something like that. He's the one you talk with definitely the least. But Moreland is like the definitely like kind of the the 
jovial leader of the group and he's great i really like him he's yeah really, and it's really funny because they're like they're like three guys that are essentially going like un like unintentionally but obviously written intentionally like just gonna recreate vegas not even yeah. realizing what they're doing right but it's the same thing um just I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a huge spoiler that obviously you get to a point in the game where it's like okay you have to go get these three things yeah um how many of the do you have all three of those things now or do you have two of the three no i have two of the three okay yes gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying that. Still, I'm enjoying it. I, I'm just surprised at how it's still impressing me after I've seen most of the world, right? And it's still impressing me the things I run into, and they're new and interesting. And I haven't even gotten the bird yet. And that's not a spoiler because you can't like they spoiled it for everyone. <laughs> just being on the internet, you can't avoid it. Um, so I, I'm just dying to get to that part too. Um, so yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it so far. Uh, and then I had to, I had to play this game. Um, not only because I nailed it in Fantasy Critic, but you also did. because I really loved the demo. Um, and I'm talking about Tunic. It's on Game Pass, which people weren't really sure if it was going to be. And I guess it was kind of announced at the ID and Xbox show last week that it is coming to Game Pass Day 1 which was the day that idea at Xbox happened. So uh, you can play Tunic. Uh, it also has, you can play it on xCloud with touch control. So you don't, you can just play it on your phone. Uh, but yeah, I fired it up. It's actually paused in my living room because I didn't want to stop playing before we recorded. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It is, I think it's exactly what people talked about. It's uh, Fox Legend of Zelda <laughs> Link to the Past. Um, it's clever. It's charming. It is difficult. Uh, but it also lets you know if you're over your head, if you know how to figure it out. It's it, it doesn't hold your hand. And what I do like is like a lot of the things you come up to, it's in language you can't understand because it's basically like Fox language. So you have to figure out what you're doing as you play. But they give you enough to like, they have some English in there or translated, I guess. Um, I hate that people are calling it a Souls game because I just think, can we just be done with that? Just oh, man. stop. Like, just say it's difficult. Don't you don't have to say this doesn't need to be a Metroidvania thing. We could just stop saying Souls like. Just get it out of the vocabulary. Just I gotta just gonna interject real real briefly. I listen to very few video game podcasts anymore, mostly just because time, but. Man, if I have to continue, like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to have to hear about Elden Ring, but I, <laughs> it is getting real old, real fast, which I'm sure for everyone hearing us talk about Horizon is probably the same. Sure. But, oh, my God, like every single podcast I listen to is like they were comparing this game. to They were comparing Tunic. to. I'm like, OK, I guess Tunic is the indie Elden Ring. OK, why, cool. Why? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> why can't it just be Tunic? <laughs> Just let it be its own game. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think we're just stuck with this. Horizon Forbidden West will, Horizon will always be compared to Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And any game that is marginally difficult will always be compared to a Souls. <laughs> any any type of Souls game. Uh, but at least Tunic has a difficulty setting that you can change, unlike the Souls games. <laughs> so True. suck on that, Souls games. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, I I like it. It's it's difficult. I like the exploration. I like but this is going to sound weird because I do like linear games. 
I do like a game like this where I don't necessarily know if the path I'm going on is the right direction uh, because it does have a little bit of that exploration. Um, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm ever getting taken too far off the beaten path. Like I think they always, it's always like circles around to an adjacent area that maybe you couldn't get to because you went one way or the other. Um, but it looks great. Controls good. The combat's fun and challenging. And I fought, I fought a boss probably for 10 minutes before I realized I should hold in left trigger to see what his health is at. And then I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm not meant to fight this boss yet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah, leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so I do like that too. Like there's a lot of learning as you play too. So I could see myself playing this a bunch more. Uh, but other than that, um, that's all I've been playing. So awesome. how about you? Good. Sir? Well, I'll just stick with tunic. Cause I've also been playing tunic. Um, I booted it up and this is a game that, you know, cute Fox in a green tunic. How could you not want to play it? And you know, this game has been, around forever i feel like i feel like since psvg started this game has existed it's been a really yes. long time <laughs> um coming you know but you know ind- individual developer you know um uh andrew Schuldice, i believe is the name of the guy who made this game by himself like he's the, he's the one who made it um and being published by finji games and uh yeah you know this is something i think a lot of people had on their list and they're uh, as far as a game to look forward to uh definitely you know kind of a love letter if you would to like zelda games of the past with a little yeah. bit more co- you know difficult combat thrown in there overall i am really liking it there are a few things that i have found to be a bit annoying but again they're annoying they're not like huge drawbacks to me excuse me one of the things that is a little frustrating is the fact that like you have to hold on the left uh, hit the left bumper to like bring up your menu to like assign things to your other oh, i hit that button so many times an accident right which is fine but like if you're in the midst of a battle, like it doesn't stop anything on the screen. And yeah. when you don't have another way to cycle through your items, that's a little annoying. Um, the fact that you that kind of works that way. Um, I, I wish that either it's slow time down or pause the game or something. Um, just because like I said, I I I, I died like seven hard. times at the bridge captain because I kept trying to heal myself, but I kept opening the menu <laughs> instead. Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> So yeah, so those sorts of things I, I think would be it would be nice if that got you know straightened out a little bit. Um, you are right that the game doesn't really tell you anything. Um, there have been times that I have found that to be absolutely charming, and there are th- <laughs> there was one time that I rolled my eyes so hard I thought I was gonna they were gonna fall out of the back of my head <laughs> just because like the path was right there, yeah. like that clearly this was not like you were not supposed to find it right here. Yeah, and then I went through this whole little thing and then came out. I'm like it was right here the whole time. <laughs> right here the whole time and like yeah oh my gosh that was a little frustrating um because i did i there was one point where i did feel like i was pretty lost like i didn't really know where to go um and it was just because it was because of my own stupidity um because i just didn't see um where like there was a literally a key laying on the ground but i couldn't see it because of the guy standing on top of it Ah. so i was like where is this stupid key to go in this stupid house and i'm like running around trying to find it uh i guess spoilers it's out of guy's feet um i was i was like where is this stupid thing um but yeah overall i am really enjoying it um it is very cute the music is good yeah um, it is fun to play uh yeah so you know since it's on game pass like definitely give it a shot a shot even if you're just gonna play it on pc though you know and you don't have game pass i think it's definitely worth a purchase um you know it's really really well made it's very charming the overall the design of how everything is put together is great 
Um, and it, you're definitely going to, especially if you, you know, played games for a significant amount of time, uh, you're definitely going to have some uh, nostalgia there with some of the things you're going through. You're going to kind of feel some hits of like, I've done this before, not this exact thing in this game, yeah. but done things like this similarly. And it's going to get bring back those good feels for you. So definitely check out Tunic if you haven't. Uh, again, still playing Horizon. I really am trying to finish this before Tiny Tina's Wonderlands comes out, and we're getting really Ooh, close to that yeah. date at this point. <laughs> I have cracked the... I'm about 52 or 53 hours in right now. Um, so I'm trying to debate here. Like, nice. I'm like, I don't want to mainline this. Um, no, enjoy it, but you, you can probably play both at the same time. They're definitely different games. They are, but... Uh, mm. I, but the problem is I'm really, really bad at playing more than one game at a time. Sure, sure. In the sense of then I won't just fi- finish either of them, you know? So so that's the thing. So, you know, only so much time in the day. You know, we're not <laughs> doing this thing professionally where we get to just play video games for a big part of our day. So, if only. If yeah. Only. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, you know, I'm pretty happy with less getting over 50 hours into this game in less than a month plus all my other responsibilities. So I'm pretty stoked with that. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think... I kind of asked you before about like, have you gotten, I've gotten all three of the things nice, um, and have and now have other things I need to go do as a result of that. But uh, yeah, I, I really like it. The game is pretty darn incredible. Um, yeah. Well, oh, I played errands in machine strike. How'd that go? That was fun. I won. I'm so good. At, <laughs> I'm so good at machine strike. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Awesome. So that's, those are the kind of the two things I've been playing uh, in the video game world on the board game world. Uh, I am here to talk about this little game called uh, Nidavellir. I'm I'm excited to hear about this. I didn't even know you got it. Yeah, so Nidavellir is a game that uh, kind of had been on my radar for a bit, but uh, was really, really big overseas, like probably like two years ago, and then kind of became a bit more like known last year in the U.S. Um, And it was a game that every time I had gone to like look at picking it up, it had just been sold out everywhere. Hmm. Um, And finally, I went and... Uh, was looking at getting the expansion for parks because I was like, well, I know Eric really wants that. So I'm going to go ahead and get that. And then I just happened to check um, and Ninda Valir happened to be in as did Lost Ruins of Arnak. So I was like, well, I, I guess I want free shipping. <laughs> so I'm just going to pick these two things up as well. <laughs> so, you know, the $15 expansion suddenly became uh, free shipping. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Ninda Valir um, is designed by uh, Sergey Lagat, who's probably best known as the co-designer for Shadows Over Camelot. Um, so really pretty well known as far as that goes. But in this game, it is a uh, constrained bidding set collection game, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, basically what you were doing is you were charged with, um, putting together a band of dwarves to go fight a dragon. Okay. So that's kind of why you're trying to recruit these dwarves to your team. Now to be clear, you don't actually fight the dragon in the game at all. You were just trying to, the game is getting this band of, of dwarves together. And the way that you do that is there's three taverns and into each tavern, um, a number of dwarf cards equal to the number of players is dealt. Except if you have two, then they, you put three in there. But if you had three, you'd have three dwarves, four players, four dwarves. And then what you do on your turn is everyone has five coins. And you secretly decide how much you want to bid for each of the three taverns. So either zero, two, three, four, or five is what you start at. So if you bid five, that means obviously that you have a, a high desire to be able to select a dwarf from that tavern. Obviously, if you bid two, maybe you're like, hey, I'm pretty flexible about any of the dwarves from this tavern. So a, a little bit of a lower bet here is fine. And then at the same time, with, after everyone's placed down their bets secretly in the first tavern, everyone flips over their, their coin. Whoever has the highest coin picks first. Anyone who has the second highest picks second. Uh, and there's this really unique... Um, 
tie-breaking mechanism because obviously everyone has the same five coins that you start with. So the tie-breaking mechanism is that you have one like master gem at the top of your board that has a different value. Um, if say my value is five and your value is four, and we both bet five our five coin in this in this um, pub, I would get to pick first, you would get to pick second, but then we have to switch our master gems. So next time you would get the tie break. So it's actually this really unique way to ensure that like tie breaks are still kind of always floating around um, and that it's never guaranteed that you're going to always win those. But anyway, so you go ahead, you bid on what dwarves you want. There's five different types of dwarves and all the different types of dwarves score differently. So the goal is like trying to figure out, okay, do I want to go all in on one type of dwarf? Do I want to spread the wealth and have a few of each of the styles of dwarves? Like kind of how do I want to do that? And the cool thing is that kind of how it balances this out is that like, yes, obviously getting a lot of one type of dwarf will give you, you know, more points in that area because, you know, things start to compound and multiply. But every time you get a set of five, so one of each color, you then get to take a hero dwarf. And these heroes like are significantly more powerful than the typical dwarfs that you're able to draft. So it encourages you to, yes, focus but also there is an advantage to making sure you are kind of taking doors out of all the different classes um so that's kind of like the drafting portion of it you're going through picking you know um doors from the pubs yada 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 trying to figure out kind of which direction you want to go trying to potentially counter pick to make sure people can't get their fifth color to be able to take a hero dwarf those sorts of things but then like i said you have you know three um, pubs that you go to but you have five coins so what happens with these other two coins well, one of your coins is a zero coin. So if you ever bid zero, you still get to pick a dwarf. You still get to draft a dwarf, but you go obviously last. However, with that zero coin, then what you do is you flip over your other two remaining coins, add up the total of them. So let's say that you had your three and your two down there. So you add those up. That's a five. So what you do then is you get rid of your three coin. So you get rid of the highest coin in that group and you take a five coin. And this okay. goes all the way up to 25, right? So... Then the next time, maybe you put your five and your four together, you get a nine. So you get rid of the five and now you have a nine. And then you put like the nine and the, your other five that you had to start with together and you have a 14. Like, so there's a way for you to, if you're not really interested in it, um, specific dwarves, or if there's a, one of the um, pubs is like not su super appealing for you. There's an opportunity for you here to still boost kind of like your ability to play the game more effectively down the road. The other thing that's cool about that is that all of these coins count for points at the end of the game. So not as it only beneficial for you in bidding to improve your coins, but it's just points at the end of the game. Hmm. Um, it's played over two ages. At the end of the first age, you kind of do this little mid-round mid scoring, basically, where depending on you know what colors you have the lead in, you get certain advantages or certain extra cards or certain extra abilities. Um, and then you go through a second age doing the same thing, and then you just do scoring. Um it is a really, really cool game um, with a ton of points. Um, and when I say that the points multiply, um, <laughs> this is so frustrating. Uh, Josh, Erica won our, our first game we played of it with 344 points. Yeah. I had 343. Josh, we, we played that. a game <laughs> with over 300 points. That's a lot of and points. And I lost by one. By one. Well, you should have been better. <laughs> I should have been better. I should have been better. But yeah, like so it's just a really unique take on um on a, a set building game that it has a little bit of elements from a lot of different games. There's like the the betting part that's there, there's the set collection and trying to figure out like 
okay, for these um, cards, they square themselves. So if I have 10, I get 100 points. Whereas these cards, like I just add the totals on the cards. Whereas these ones, it's like adding the totals. Plus, if I have the most, I get this extra bonus. Like trying to balance like how you're going to do all of that. It's a really... The art in the game is really cool because all the doors are in black and white, but then like all the scoring stuff is like the a really vibrant popping color on the a black and white card. So the the um, art direction on it's very cool. Uh, you know, Josh, I it's been a a year really since Sleeping Gods. I've you know had opportunity to start playing a you know a few more more recent board games and yeah, man, they're all hitting it out of the park. I love this game. It is so good. It is so fun. It is like. Um, I'm trying to think of a good game to compare it to. It, it's like if you took, uh, I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to, I'm not talking poorly about anything with this game. It's like if you took someone like who plays a lot of hobby board games, played Splendor and was like, I can make this, but I can make this better. Okay. Like it really is like that next step up of like a lot of the things that you do in Splendor, but there's more gaminess to it. There's more like planning and and like counterpicking and really having to think through what you're doing because like i said in a th- point a game that we both scored over 300 points it was a one point difference yeah you know like so every decision really truly matters of what you're doing even when it doesn't seem like it would be because there were times i'm like how because like, like maybe one of the drawbacks is like when you're scoring that many points it's really hard to know am i doing well am i not doing well right. because like i could look and see like how many cards of each that she has or your opponents have but like the numbers just get so big, it's yeah. really, really hard to know exactly where you're at. Plus, then, even though you kind of know when people upgrade their coins, you don't know exactly most of the time what coins they have. So even though you can see all their cards, their coins are still kind of that hidden information that you don't know exactly how many points are going to generate through those cards or through those coins. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a great game. I highly, highly recommend it. If you're someone who likes any games that have set collection or any games that have bidding in them, I think it's great. Uh, but even if you, like I said, if you like maybe games like Splendor, games like Century Golem Edition slash Century Spice Road, and you're really just looking for like the next step up in that, um, I think it's a super easy recommend. Uh, I love it. This is a game that we're definitely going to keep playing. Um, and it's pretty quick. Like once you learn the game, um, you know, 40 minutes, 30, 40 minutes, and you can nice. be through an entire um, game of it. So it's a good weeknight game. Um, it's a good work night game. So yeah, Nidavalier. Um, it's awesome. Highly, highly recommended. It. It's great. So awesome. That's good to hear. It's definitely, it's been a game I've been looking at for a while. So that's good to hear. They have it at our local store. I just, I always look at it and I'm like, ah, I got to stop buying games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real good. I am very, very happy with it. So cool well with that josh let's move on to our topics of the show what is your first topic this week well kyle i don't think that we talked about this but did you know they were making another dungeons and dragons movie i mean i kind of did yeah did you see the first one no did you didn't yeah it's actually pretty underrated with marlon wayans in it actually yeah i've actually heard that that movie isn't too bad it's pretty good it's pretty fun uh it's not good it's fun (laughs) So there's a new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Uh, Chris Pine is the star of said movie. Uh, I just thought this would be fun to talk about briefly, and maybe we can talk about um, a board game adaptation that we would like to see. And we're not trying to pitch. What did we pitch originally? Like the Monopoly movie? Yeah. And Sony was like making it. We're not trying to do that, but um, 
So Chris Pine was interviewed about uh, the upcoming movie that he's in, um, and he just kind of had some things he said to uh, Collider in his interview with them. He was comparing it to, you know, 80s pop culture staples as well as uh, Game of Thrones. And he says, quote, "Uh, the way I've been describing it, it's like Game of Thrones mixed with a little Princess Bride, just a smidge of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, it's somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, it's a lot of fun, he says. It's got a lot of thrills. It's poppy. It's 80s heartfelt. There's a bit of Goonies in there. All that sounds good. I hope he's not selling it too hard. Um, <laughs> uh, so the movie is, let's see, it's in development, for, been in development for almost a decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's not good. Um, this final, the final movie comes from writer directors uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, known for directing the surprisingly good board game based movie Game Night, which I agree that was a fun movie. It was and fun. co-writing Spider Man Homecoming. Yep, uh, which th- that's great uh, pedigree. Uh, alongside Chris Pine, uh, it's also starring uh, Justice Smith, who was in Detective Pikachu, uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, from Fast and Furious and Sophia Lillis, best known for her role as Beverly Marsh in Stephen King's It, best known. Okay, yeah, I guess. I think I've seen her in other things too, but um, I actually like Sophia Lillis as an actress. She did a Netflix movie that uh, I meant to watch. Uh, as well as Bridgerton's uh, Reggie, 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 Jean Page, uh, who was in Paddington 2 as well. He's playing the villain. Uh, they haven't really give us any details on the actual plot of the movie, but it sounds like at least Chris Pine's having fun. So that maybe is a good sign. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's set to release next March 3rd. So March 3rd, 2023. So that being said, we got a D&D movie currently being filmed. D&D is uh, loosely connected to board games. It's not directly connected. But if you could, if you could, I don't want you to cast or or anything like that. But what do you think? What's a good board game property that is uh, uh, sorely missing the filmatic treatment? Um, you can't say Dead of Winter. Okay, well I wasn't going to, <laughs> but I appreciate that. Uh, okay, Josh. Before we go on to that, yeah. Um, are you how familiar are you with Mr. Uh, John Francis Daly? I'm not familiar with him at all, actually. Okay. Well, it's just funny that this story is here because, yes, he did um, write Spider-Man Homecoming um, uh, and also directed and wrote Game Night. Uh, But John Francis Daly, you know, found his way into our hearts uh, as Sam on Freaks and Geeks. Oh, really? Yeah, that's John Francis Daly. And then also, obviously, was Lance Sweets in Bones. Um, oh, so boy. the fact that I was <laughs> talking about Bones, Bones earlier um, <laughs> is there. But then, yeah, he was Mitch in Waiting. Um, so John Francis Daly's been around. You know, he's done stuff. He actually, I think, wrote Vacation um, to the Ed Helms one. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, John Francis Daly, he's done some stuff. But, yeah, Freaks and yeah. Geeks is what I always think of when I think of John Francis Daly. Um, okay. So... I think board games are always hard, right? Because there's how literal do you want the adaptation to be versus do you want it to just be like the feeling of the world or the feeling of things, you know, an easy one too, that has a huge story built in that could easily happen would be sleeping gods. Like having just played sleeping gods, uh, that is a movie or a game that easily could be adapted into a movie. Even a small portion of that could easily be adapted into a movie or a television show. Sure. Um, And you'd have a ton to go off of. 
Uh, I think, you know, if you're looking probably more on the animated realm, though, really any of Jerry Hawthorne stuff, um, Mice and Mystics, I think, would be, you know, maybe it's a little too red wally, but a really easily animated show, as would be Stuff Fables, I would, as would Familiar Tales. Like, there, there's a lot of things you can do there um, from an animated perspective that I think would be great. Um, so those are the ones that immediately come to mind. I'll still think while you answer, Josh, what do you think from a board game perspective would be a great movie or television show? In addition you know, to, you know, I have a more generic thought process on this. Um, I don't even know that the title is important per se. I would like to see another Jumanji style film that's done. That's not just Jumanji. Like we have Zathura, we have Jumanji, not the new ones, but like, I would like to see the incorporation of a board game into a this fantasy rule where you end up in the game, um, but uh, it's more controlled by the people playing it and less by... Like, I haven't seen the t- two new Jinomaji movies yet, but I do understand that the concept is they end up in a video game and they're trying to modernize the Jumanji game. I would just kind of love to see something where we're back to the physical board game where it takes more of an effect in that regard, whether the person playing the board game is experiencing it like in Jumanji or if it's more like the new one where you still see people playing the board game, but it's actually people experiencing it where they have almost no control over their experience and where they are. Um, I think it could be more like more interesting than just like adapting uh, Shadows Over Camelot, which was like, probably a board game I would think would make a good um, film like adaptation where you have traitors and you're reliving like the King Arthur days, but maybe more in the lines of putting people into um, bad situations that they actually have to rely on the people who are controlling them to keep them alive kind of thing. Um, so I didn't even really necessarily think of a specific game, but I'm sure there's tons. Even like the game, like the Quest for the Eldorado, would be, I think, could be a very fun board game adaptation to a film. Um, but maybe it's the people they don't have as much free will as they would like while they're in this game. I think one of the challenging things too with like board game adaptations into movies is how much do they kind of already exist in the sense of like, if you think of a game like great Western trail, yeah. Um, like how far is like the power of the dog from being just a great Western trail? Movie? Sure. Sure. You know, like, you know, Isle of cats could Isle of dogs just be like, you know, same thing. Right? They spin on, like on that, like that's what gets really hard is that since the gameplay is so abstracted, typically that is really hard to be like, well, this, you know, fits or could be you know that different thing uh but building off of that josh you know every every streaming service right now is looking for the next game of thrones right like oh, everyone yeah. is you know we have some lord of the ring stuff coming we've had the wheel of time we have the witcher like everyone is looking for the next game of thrones uh do you think an adaptation of gloomhaven could do that yeah i actually think gloomhaven would be great um and i I actually think it would be better as an animated film too like when you mentioned that because uh it just seems more practical than budget wise like that's something that you could definitely put a lot more into um they've already done a comic so i could definitely see them doing an animated series um or a film would work too i I, you know i'm trying to think of 
thinking of Dungeons and Dragons and Gloomhaven, like, have we really seen a visual effects or um, practical effects monster movie recently? I I can't think of like something that really going maybe all the way back to like Pan's Labyrinth. Like, I can't think of a big creature effects blockbuster. I'm I'm excluding like King Kong and Godzilla. Yeah, as I say, it's, they've all been like yeah, Godzilla versus Kong and things like that. As um, late but those are I movies where of. you don't even really see the villain until like a third right. of the movie has been yeah. completed. So um, I don't even know like that could be really cool to see like a big visual effects horror esque Dungeons and Dragons dungeon crawl movie. So Gloomhaven I think could work great if they had the confidence to put a budget into it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that really has had any monsters that I can think of that isn't like a horror monster movie, right? Um, which there's definitely some a lot of Korean one of those. Right now. Yes, yeah. But um, something like, you know, The Witcher, there's a lot of creatures in that and a lot okay, of monsters sure. and a lot of like creature killing and things like that. But outside of that, you know, that but that does also say and fulfill kind of what you're talking about. Like, there is a way to do that and do it well. And I think the... I, I'm kind of shocked you still haven't watched The Witcher, to be honest. Like, I am too. It's really, I just need to s- just sit down and watch it. Yeah, but just how that um, series has worked and worked pretty well overall. Like, you know, it, it definitely has a budget, but I don't think it's an astronomical budget in comparison uh, to maybe some other things. But there definitely is, you know, money on the screen there. But uh, I think it's definitely something they could do. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. So will you go see, you know, hopefully by 2023, you know, hopefully we're not in pandemic life anymore. Are you going to go see this movie in theaters, Josh? going to go see some Chris Pine Dungeons and Dragons? We'll wait for the trailer, but uh, I would be interested in checking it out. I can say that for sure. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Anything else then uh, about the new D&D movie, Josh? It's no, it's great that they're doing it. They're doing stuff in this genre. So hopefully it's good and we can get more of it. Awesome. All right, Josh. So my first topic is I don't remember if we talked about this when it first came out. I remember seeing it, but I don't re- really remember if I did anything with it. I don't think we talked about it on the show. Um, but Josh, if we want to, we can become board game world champions. Do you want to become a board game world champion? That's all. It seems like a lot of pressure, but yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. Okay. So Josh, uh, the World Series of Board Gaming is having a world championship this fall in Vegas. Um, you're welcome to sign up if you want to go play. Um, and really, it's just as an attempt to crown um, the the champion of board games. And the way this is going to be is they have 16 games to start with, Josh, that you can play from. And everyone who wins one of these 16 games or becomes the ultimate winner of these 16 games um, will then kind of move on and progress their way through. Okay, so basically you get to pick which one of these games you want to be as your starting game. And you'll play game after game after game after game of this game. You know, obviously you play at a table. The person who wins moves on to another table of all people who won etc 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 yeah so josh rather than kind of go through the ins and outs of how all this is going to work and we'll kind of i'll kind of break it down as we go i wanted to ask you which game you would pick okay as your first entry game and we're going to kind of work our way through the content or the the contest um assuming we had one and kind of how we'd want it to work and what we'd pick sound good yeah okay yeah. so there's 16 games that you have to pick from you have to pick one of these as your initial game that you're going to play and the choices are seven wonders acquire Azul, yeah. Blood Rage, Brass Birmingham, Carcassonne, Catan, Dominant Species Marine, Dune Imperium, Gaia Project, 
Great Western Trail, Raw, Splendor, Terraforming Mars, Ticket to Ride, and Wingspan. Yeah. So those are the 16 games that are like that there's going to be quote unquote champions of, right? Like everyone's, they're going to have these 16 people who win these games are going to move on to the next round. Josh, what if like two or three games would you consider entering potentially? But also, what is the game you would pick if you're like, hey, I want to go win the World Series of Board Gaming. Yeah. Here's the game I'm going to pick. But also, is your strategy to pick the thing you're best at, Josh? Like, are you... Because what, and an important thing to know is that whatever game you win in the first round, you do not get to play in the second round. You're going to have to play something different. So, do you put all of your eggs in that basket of winning the first one, or kind of how are you going to work that? Well, it's interesting, because I'm looking at tickets. You know, it's it's only $900 to go. Yeah, it's, it's only pretty, $900. Pretty cheap. <laughs> right. Um, they do have games laid out on days. You can't play a certain game on a different day. Um, and they also show you how many seats are available for the games, and that would be where my strategy lies, right? Okay. But on Wednesday, you can only pick Seven Wonders or Splendor. You can't pick any other game. Um, so that one, I wouldn't really pick between seats because there's only 10 seats difference between the two games. So I would right. pick Seven Wonders for Wednesday. Um, Thursday, I would have to pick Wingspan because I haven't played Brass, Birmingham, Dominant Species, or Acquire. And I can't imagine I'd be any good at Acquire based off of what I've how I've heard that game plays. Friday, they have Gaia Project, Great Western Trail, Ticket to Ride, Ra, and Azul. And Ticket to Ride has 984 open seats, so I would 100% pick Ticket to Ride on those days uh, for Friday. Saturday, Katana has 1,001 empty seats. <laughs> <laughs> and Cargo Sun has 996 open seats, whereas as like where Dune Imperium only has 203. So I would 100% pick Cargo Sun uh, for, for that, because I just assume uh, I wouldn't have many competitors. <laughs> and I just have to get lucky enough to win like what? Like that game <laughs> against <laughs> someone who like reluctantly had to play Cargo Sun. Uh, I think I'm best at. Out of all these games, I'm probably best at Ticket to Ride. It's hard to be best at Catan because it's really up to the die roll. I mean, there is a Catan World Championships every year. Yeah, I think that's tough. You're really relying on people having the ability to screw you over. It's kind of like that in Ticket to Ride, too, because people can be jerks by putting one train on a path that they know you're trying to complete. (laughs) But... um, I think I'm really good at moderating um, the, my tickets and tickets to ride and not going crazy and making sure I have enough time and looking at other people's turns to complete my my um, routes or routes. So I think I would do ticket to ride as my like my best Ultimate and best choice. at. Yeah. How about you? Okay. What's your choice for this? So I, I did like you kind of going through each day and kind of picking. I, I will say. Uh, they clearly have not sold very many tickets based off of how many seats available. <laughs> well, 900 bucks is, is, uh, is for four nights. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pretty steep. Uh, okay. So, you know, if I were, yeah, if I was going to pick one, I probably would pick Great Western Trail. And the yeah. reason I would pick it is similar to kind of what you were talking about is that it's a game that's just going to have, I think, way less people playing it. And, I, I'm a little worried that people who are playing it are more likely to really, really like playing it. You know, whereas like 
people are like, well, Ticket to Ride, I can play Ticket to Ride. I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Uh, whereas Great Western Trail, I think it's going to be people who are a little more potentially committed to that game. But it's also a game that I know I could play a ton and probably get to a point where I felt good about a strategy. Now, I don't know if that strategy is going to be the winning strategy, but I think I could get to the point where there's little enough interaction there where if I can figure out what I want to do, I can probably replicate that over and over and over and over again. Whereas something like Ticket to Ride, like the cards, you you know, like what routes you get, like where the routes other people have, like how all those things go. Yes, there's a way that you can play to be effective, but there's a lot more chance kind of built into that. So I'm probably going to pick Great Western Trail as my main game of trying to win. Um, But yeah, it's, this would be intimidating because I, I feel like, as we'll talk about in a minute, like you're going to have to kind of know how to play all of these games. Yeah, that's rough because if you get seated in the game that you don't know how to play, you might as well just quit. Right, right. So, <laughs> okay, so let's assume then, Josh, that uh, you win Ticket to Ride and that yeah. I win Great Western Trail. And we move on to the semifinals. Basically, how the semifinals work is like, I would be picked as like, okay, so they're like, okay, the person who picked, you know, Great Western or the person who won Great Western Trail, like a, a random judge would pick like, okay, first table, boop, is Great Western Trail. And then my name is the winner of Great Western Trail would be picked, but I don't get to play that game again. So I actually go pick the next game and let's say it's Wingspan. So then I have to play Wingspan. Yeah. And the person who won Wingspan picks the next game and go and it goes that way, right? So yep, that's kind of yep. how they work their way around. In this situation, Josh, what game then are you a hoping to pull, and but b what are you least wanting to play? <laughs> so you won Ticket to Ride, so you can't play Ticket to Ride anymore. Yeah. What are you hoping you get to play, or game or two you're hoping you get to play, and what are you like? Nah, I really, really do not want to get this one. I would hope to get Seven Wonders. I would hate to get Blood Rage. Oh, Blood Rage. Why is that? I just feel like it's a heavy game that I have no concept of how to play. You know, I've never played it. Uh, I've seen people play it. It looks super heavy. Um, I I just, I would have no clue because I'm not a big Eric Lang game player either. So I don't right. even know that I have his mechanics down. So I think yeah. I, would be, I would be terrified to get that. Yeah, I am probably, yeah, Seven Wonders is a good pick. I wouldn't mind playing Seven Wonders for sure. Um, I am probably most hoping for Gaia Project. Again, continuing the similar theme of a game I... Excuse me, I'd have to get Gaia Project, but I have... Um, oh, shoot, what's the other game that is based? That Gaia Project's just a reskin of... I don't know. Oh, my gosh, Josh. This is going to bother me. I'm going to have to look it up just one sec. Sorry. Sorry, listener, as I click through here and look up... It is a reskin of... The American Gladiators, not the American Gladiators. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find it too. Uh, I got it. Don't Twilight worry. Twilight Imperium? No. Hmm. Um, Guy Project is uh, Terra Mystica. Oh, like, Terra I don't know why that, was, that wasn't coming to me. Uh, another super heavy game. <laughs> yeah. So I played a lot of Terra Mystica back in the day. Now, I haven't played it recently. Yeah. Uh, but again, since this is just a reskin of a game that I. I used to have a strategy in and used to play uh I, i'm hopeful that i could kind of re-implement that or you know play some in the interim to, to kind of remember that uh but i'm more hoping that everyone else is gonna be less familiar with the game than i am because it is sure. a very heavy game yeah so really my strategy of picking that is that i'm just hoping everyone else is is less familiar with it than i am um so that's what i would most want to play 
for that exact reason, though, the game I'd probably least want to get is Brass Birmingham. So mm. I have no idea how to play that game. Not yeah. the slightest thing in the world. And from everything I know, it is a very heavy game that has very specific strategies of like what you're supposed to do. And I don't know them. Uh, a game like Blood Rage, I think I could hopefully punt and at least figure things out. <laughs> but I don't think I can do that with Brass Birmingham. Sure. Okay, Josh, you have won. I have won. We're on to the finals. Yeah. Um, now, if I remember correctly for the finals, there's only four of us left. No, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Four, four of us left. Yeah. Yep. So, Josh, for the finals, no game we have won can be played. Yeah. So that means Seven Wonders is out, Josh, because you won Seven Wonders. Yeah. Ticket to Ride is out. Um, And then for me, Great Western Trail and Gaia Project are out. Mm. At this point, then, you get to say what other game you want removed. Removed, what, okay. Yeah. What other game are you... And then they basically pick a random one out of the remaining ones after everyone dominates one game to be out. What game are you removing, Josh? Uh, we got to get Acquire out of this place. We got to okay, get it so, out. <laughs> so Acquire out. Yeah. Um, at this point, if it's still there, I'm probably I'm getting rid of Brass Birmingham. If it's there. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So that Josh then leaves us with the following games: Splendor, yeah, Wingspan, good. Dominant Species Marine, Ra, Azul, Catan, Terraforming Mars, Blood Rage, Dune Imperium, Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping is drawn for us to play? Then Carcassonne, in I'll kick everyone's buns in Carcassonne. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pick. That's a really good pick, the Carcassonne. It I'm, wouldn't be uh, very exciting for people watching the World Series of Board Gaming playing the most generic, generic-ass <laughs> board games that have ever existed, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, that's a good pick. I, I do. That's my worries that, like, I wouldn't pick that game because, like, I know how to play Carcassonne, but I also yeah. know other people know how to play it way better than I do. Uh, <laughs> so that would be, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh, man. Um my pick would be terraforming Mars. That's where I'm going. Uh, yeah. let's, let's try to, you know, keep that heavy thing going, get rid of the one heavy one. I don't really know very well. Uh, and let's add this new heavy one in, um, and let's rock and roll with that. Uh, so that's probably what I would pick is, is terraforming Mars. Um, uh, but Josh, $900, like you mentioned, not going to be, uh, for everyone. Uh, what, how much would a, an event like this, like, is there a price you'd be willing to pay to participate in an event like this? Like, if it was close to you, you know, things yeah. like that. Like, is there a price that you'd be like, yeah, I'd participate for X amount of dollars? Honestly, 900 bucks isn't that bad because it does include uh, four nights at the ba- at Bally's as well. So right. it's actually a good price. It's just way too, like, I would have to get out there, which cost me another 500 bucks. And, like, even fourth place only gets 1000 bucks. So, like, yeah. I would barely be getting my money back. <laughs> Uh, from just the entry fee and you could literally uh, lose your first game and just be done <laughs> yes and you could just get no yeah nothing so um um <clears throat> if it was closer i don't know just you know I, I i just don't have it in my head that i would pay to be in this so <laughs> it would really have to be like close in like 200 bucks and i could win like a hundred thousand uh, dollars okay it, it just wouldn't be practical for me i wouldn't want to do it i'd be too nervous I would be stressed out. Uh, I wouldn't enjoy it. And I play board games to enjoy them. So this wouldn't be fun for me, period. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, I would be I would be more likely to watch it than participate in it. Yeah, this is a little tough that like, you know, the people who are doing something like this, like obviously mean business if they're willing to spend. They're this all alpha gamers. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm one of those people who like I really enjoyed 
uh, playing Friday Night Magic. Yeah. Uh, but whenever we had like um, Pro Tour qualifiers or PTQs, uh, I wouldn't watched. I didn't play. You right. know, like it was. You know, like because I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want that. Like that was not what I was interested in. So, um, yeah, I don't know that I would. If it was free and it was local, maybe I would. But I, I definitely don't. I, I don't think I would ever pay to participate yeah. in something like this. Uh, I would definitely, if it was close or even kind of, even if it was like a little bit of a drive, like I'd go watch others do this. Yeah. You know, so if it like, you know, I'm not too far from the Twin Cities and if like Asthma Day, it would be housed at like uh, Asthma Day's like play center. Like I would probably go there um, and mm. watch it, but I ain't traveling to Vegas to see it. But I do wish them luck. I hope it goes well. Hopefully they'll yeah. live stream it. You know, I, I might check it out then, but yeah, not the. Uh, not something that's high on the to do on the to do list, that's for sure. So, all right, Josh. Well, good luck to have anybody who wins a wants to go win the world championship of board games. Listener, if you're yeah. one of those people, go for it. We encourage you. If that's the thing you want to do, good luck. I hope you're successful. All right, Josh. <laughs> what is your second topic? Well, if you didn't think that there were too many Marvel games, you might now. Uh... <laughs> Marvel Remix is a new card game from the co-creator of Betrayal at House on the Hill, which was uh, exciting for me to read as a headline. Uh, it's published by WizKids. It's designed by Bruce Glasso. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to see players gathering up their own teams of superheroes from across Marvel Comics, including Spider-Man, Hawkeye, Black Panther, Captain America, Hulk, Wolverine, Storm, Jean Grey, others. And you'll be creating your own superpower teams in order to fight against um, a bunch of villains from the Marvel Universe, uh, from Mystique and Kingpin to Loki and Kang and Hela and Sentinels, um, who you do need to defeat in order to require the victory points they need to win the game. So maybe think like five-minute Marvel or five-minute dungeon where you have to defeat them by difficulty to get up. Um, the, the, this is coming from Dice Breaker. Uh, the gameplay system uh, bears similarities to one of his previous game, Glasgow's previous games, uh, Kenner Spiel, the Jarus nominated Fantasy Realms, a game I haven't played. Um, but it has players collecting different types of cards in order to create the most impressive kingdom possible. Uh, so in his new game, you'll be attempting to gain superheroes, abilities, and locations that will trigger powerful combos when used together, and every round sees players using their hand of seven cards. Players will have to be careful when encountering villain cards that result in points being taken off their total, uh, pulling off specific combos to counteract their negative effects as well. Uh, it's going to feature a total of 61 remix cards as well as 18 villain cards. So, uh, yeah, we got another Marvel game, Marvel Remix coming. I think the art looks really cool, actually. Uh little reminiscent of overpower but enough to be unique in its own and uh some alternate art for like characters like loki uh, even like bruce Banner and the hulk so although the captain america card is definitely a pre-existing artwork from uh, an overpower card in really a comic uh so i know your marvel's a mixed bag for you as far as your uh affinity towards it you have any interest in this game whatsoever well i was really glad that the article mentioned obviously he's best known for uh betrayal but like that they talked about fantasy realms because like in looking at this i was like man this really seems like what i from what i know of fantasy realms right yeah um so i'm glad that they brought that up because that's really kind of what it seems like uh i'm interested 
I know here's going to, this is going to sound very whiny and I apologize. <laughs> 79 cards for 20 bucks. Like that's what, that's what we get is 79 cards yeah. for $20. Okay. I mean, <laughs> as, as with art that's already been used elsewhere, as you mentioned. Sure. Uh, okay. Um, sure. <laughs> like, I get, you know, like yeah. I am interested in this. I think honestly, if I was trying to sell my partner on this between fantasy realms or this, I think it'd be a tough sell. Like I think she actually might pick fantasy realms. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll see, you know, it, I think it seems neat. Uh, any game that is quick, I'm always down for taking a look at. Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that I will take a gander at. I, I don't think I would pre-order it or anything like that. But if I'm in my FLGS and they happen to have it sitting there and I'm getting a, another thing or two, there's a chance this game would find its way to my stack of of boxes I'm carrying on my way up to the register. What about you, sir? I'm assuming this is an instant yes for you. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe not instant, but I'm definitely uh, interested in grabbing it. I think the price is good. It's not like I'm. It's not like I'm wasting forty to sixty bucks on a board game that I won't play. Uh, at least twenty dollars it gets me more on the on the that side of the fence of like, yeah, I'll buy it for twenty bucks. Well, and, and uh, kind of as you just said there too, like there's probably a really high likelihood that you'll play this just by how easy it looks to set up and play yeah. and how long it is. Like, so even though you know it's maybe not as dollars for dollars as you know good of a deal as another game if you're actually going to play it. Yeah, makes it a little more worthwhile. There's something to be said for a game that you can bring somewhere with you when you're going somewhere, and this seems like it's one of those games. Like, hey, we went out to the local brewery and I brought Marvel Remix with me. Makes sense. Why, why don't you bring a Gloomhaven to the brewery? I don't understand. What's the problem? <laughs> I think I would have to leave it set up on the table and come back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, quick, quick little bit on more Marvel games coming out. I'm sure it's not the last one. I, I would highly doubt that. Could you imagine if all of a sudden, like, we're in done. two years, we're like, you know, they haven't released a Marvel game in a while. Yeah, that would so. be interesting if that happened. Well, because, uh, yeah, because Marvel Dice Throne is this summer, right? It's coming soon. Yeah, yeah I'm soon. excited for so. that. Awesome. All right, Josh. So, my last topic this week uh, is, I mean, potentially surprising. You know, two weeks ago, <laughs> PlayStation did a state to play. Then last week, they did another one. So, two states, two weeks, two states to play um this time focus on hogwarts legacy yeah um or hogwarts legacy as i put it hogwarts hogwarts <laughs> uh so we're going to talk about this on a couple of different formats uh so first we're going to talk about just the state of play itself josh number one a did you watch it number two what did you think so did you watch these state of play for hogwarts legacy, Josh? and did. what do you think of it i thought it was great uh, a lot more in depth than i thought it was going to be it's a lot more. I was. I. I think my jaw literally dropped when I saw you could put a house and somewhere and design it. I know. Right? I was like, do I want this? I was like, I don't know that I want this, <laughs> but I think I did not see that coming in the gameplay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see. Uh, there seems to be a lot of attention to detail for classes and houses, and I also didn't. I was surprised about the sorting hat that will sort you but i also was like oh man people are just gonna keep uh de- like deleting their save and replaying till they get the house they want so it's not even gonna really be like a true thing that happens in the game like i wish you were just stuck with what they make you like i wish it was like tied to your copy of the game you bought <laughs> so you just had to be in the house you got sorted into 
Because there's no way if someone gets Slytherin that they're not gonna just re- like reload it and try the sorting hat again. <laughs> well, and I'm I'm pretty sure that you get to pick which house you go into. Oh, do you? I thought that it picked for you. No, I think you, I do think you get to pick because that was okay. one of my questions for you is what how what house are you going to pick? Well, I I have been placed in Ravenclaw on my uh, on the uh, quiz that you do online. Okay. Um, but is that I've what always thought of myself as a, a Hufflepuff, though. <laughs> yes, I'm totally picking Hufflepuff. That is where I am going 100%. Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff. Anyway, uh, anything else, Josh, about the state of play, the trailer, anything that surprised you, anything else regarding the game? I'm that- curious about the combat. There's just a lot of slow spell stuff. I'm very curious how that's going to pan out. Um, yeah. There's a lot of times where they show the character fighting like five wizards and only one of them were doing something at a time yep very much like john wick (laughs) like people just standing there waiting for their actually john wick broke that mold very much generic action movie where people are just waiting for their turn to attack there's actually a term for that i can't remember what it is but there's like a film term for that of like yeah (laughs) for like stunt people you try to like either like get up in a way or stumble around or do sure. something that just shows you not just standing there waiting for you to go throw your yeah. punch. But there's actually, there's an actual term for it. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but so I'm curious how that will work out in the game. But yeah, otherwise I, I mean, I was pretty impressed with how it looked. It looked a lot better than I thought it would. A lot more polished, a lot more yeah. detail yeah. Uh, for a game that's been delayed for two years. So uh, I thought it looked good. How about you? Uh, so I was surprised because like you, you know, I, I still think that there was a little bit, I don't want, I shouldn't say jank, but there was a couple things where I was like, well, that looks a little stiff. That doesn't quite look as, you know, maybe fluid as I was thinking or I was hoping. Um, but overall, um, I thought it was a pretty good showing. Like it gave you a very clear indication of what you were going to be doing in the game. Yes. Um, and I, I, like you had mentioned, I was very surprised about the, Focus on like you are going to go to classes and you are going to go sit here and you are going to make a potion. So you're going to spin your little thing. You're going to spin the the joystick and then you're going to hit this button to drop that in. Then you're going to push this button. Like I was really surprised. Like I thought that would be not quite as uh, manual as it appears to be, which is cool. Like I'm I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I this is one of the games that you know I, as somebody who's you know a fan of Harry Potter uh, was definitely on my short list and something I've been looking forward to. And actually I watched the state of play as it aired but then i watched it again with my partner later same um and uh we might be she might be playing this game as well (laughs) so uh maybe i'll let her get the platinum for me like she got the platinum in uh kingdom hearts 3 i have a random kingdom hearts 3 platinum on my profile (laughs) that she spent 110 hours getting so yeah so i was pretty impressed um what is what do you think the chances are this game actually hits holiday 2022 josh oh i i doubt it I doubt it. I doubt it I think comes it's out 23? this year. Yeah. Okay. So if this game does hit to holiday 2022, yeah. theoretically, are you more highly anticipating this game or Starfield? Oh, I'm not anticipating Starfield, period. So this Oh, game. okay. <laughs> I assumed that maybe you were. No, I'm not a Bethesda guy. Gotcha. Okay. All right, Josh. So you and I watched the state of play, both kind of looking forward to this game. Uh, so that bring, then brings in the other point of the discussion. Um, and obviously we talked about this game and we, we talked about the state of play. So that kind of, in some ways, you know, indicates our feelings on it, Yeah. but there's been a lot of conversation about 
you know, whether we should be talking about this game, participating in the marketing, should we buy this game? Obviously, J.K. Rowling is a problematic figure when it comes to trans rights uh, and someone who is, um, you know, not maybe on the on the side of supporting folks who are trans. And, and it makes it challenging to support an IP um, that, you know, she then uses her great wealth that she gets as a result of that IP to uh, donate to causes that actively, you know, harm trans people. Yeah, and I say we assume that she donates causes. Who knows if she does? She definitely says things right. um, that are obviously uh, very anti-trans. Um, and and you know, as as folks who you know just care about people, <laughs> like you know, it's always hard to um, see people in posi- positions of privilege use that to um, say things and and to do things and support stances that actively harm others. Like that's yeah. a, that's a you know a a tough thing to see. So Josh, with that, how do you wrestle with, we talked about this a little bit in the discord, you know, how do you handle like kind of your thoughts on this, on this game, on what we should be doing with it? You know, like, should we even talk about it when we play it? Like, what are your, you know, obviously we're probably going to, but like, should we then just buy it and not say anything and be like, shh, it's fine. Like, what do you, how do you handle that? And how, what are you wrestling with in regards to that? I don't know. This actually has that, uh, a pretty big effect on my life this week, actually, where um, this has had a been a topic of conversation um, in misunderstanding between myself and my friends. And uh, I'm having a, a tough time figuring out what this... <laughs> I am a people pleaser. I'm also a person who um, openly accepts everyone for who they are. Uh, and I try to support those people in any way I can. Like, can I monetarily do it? Uh, if I can, I will try. Um, just f- try to educate myself on things like uh, that are different from my generic white life. <laughs> like, I try to understand and be empathetic and supportive to and I also we've talked about this in the past, and I've I've been turned around so many times. Like at first, I was like, "Well, we can't. We need to uh, not buy this games like this from, or we need to not be supporting people who are making money that are problematic." And then I've been told to separate the art from the artist. So I've tried to do that. And then I was told you can't separate the art from the artist. So now you need to not, now you can't support that person. And then it goes right back to, well, you should still support the people who work on the projects that this person is making money from. And then it goes back to don't support that person. And, and then I've been lumped into a group of people who, um, I've been lumped into a group of people who would describe me as supporting transphobes, which I obviously don't want to be in that group of people just from simple things like sharing a tweet or talking about someone that I like to buying a game that's like sh- I shouldn't have bought apparently or what. So I really don't know. And the last thing I want to do is be labeled as something I'm not. Or support be either intentionally or unintentionally supporting someone who is actively doing harm to people. I don't want that. 
Uh, so I don't know. It is like the worst situation, and it feels stupid to be feeling this way about a video game, right? Because it's just a video game, but it isn't just a video game because you can't right. even use that description because it's more than that. So I I don't know. I was relying on people to guide me and tell me what to do, and I still can't get a clear message from those people either. And when I say yeah. those people, I just mean people tell, trying to, to educate me because uh, the sometimes the people that are telling me to not support some people will then go out and support those people that they just told me to not support. And I yeah. say to myself, what more am I supposed to be doing? I don't want to give up, right? It's an easy thing to just be like, you know what? I, I give up. I'm just going to get what I want. And I'm going to be willfully ignorant about the repercussions, but I can't do that. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, I don't know, Kyle, do I want to get this game? I do. I do want to get this game. I think it looks good. Do I want to hurt trans people? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I would, I would hate to do that. Uh, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> What about so, you? <laughs> well, that's one thing I do appreciate our podcast about our podcast is we're willing to you know wade into topics that are challenging, even if we don't have all the answers or know if we're going to say things in the right way or the way that we you know truly. Oh yeah, mean I always say things in way. the wrong way. <laughs> no, you. I, I think you, what you said made complete sense. Like I think you said it in a great way, and you know, there's we never purposely avoid these topics. Sometimes we don't right. talk about them just because they're we don't necessarily always feel like we have. Um, especially as like two cis hat white dudes like does anybody really need to hear what we have to say about this right yes. but when it's a, when it's uh something as you know large and, and as compassing as this um i think it is sometimes worthwhile for us to at least you know share like our thought processes and what we're going through in in the way of like not that we're not in a like oh what was us situation but just like kind yeah. of the conversations we're having and, and what's going on with everything and um you know, the whole idea of separating the art from the artist, Hannah Gadsby, the comedian, had like a line that she talked about this that I, I can never like I can't ever look at that line the same anymore or, or that idea the same ever anymore. You know, when when the idea of like separating the art from the artist comes up, you know, and saying like, oh, just separate them. It's fine. Take Van Gogh's name off of his painting. How much is it worth? Right. Right. Like the artist's name matters. It just does. Um, and there's really no way to necessarily separate those things. But what you can do is work within yourself to feel good about the decisions that you're making. And that sometimes takes some effort, right? Like when I look at this game and I think about buying this game, I'm just gonna, I am going to buy this game. Yeah. That, that is going to happen. But what am I doing in my work and my life and my other places that I feel that I can clearly say that, and I, I shouldn't say I can say that I am doing work to help be an to offset your trans folks. purchase and it, and i i don't like using the word offset necessarily i i get what you're saying there yeah. the reason i don't like using the word offset because i always think about like oh offset your greenhouse gas like i right, feel like this right. is very different yes. than that right <laughs> yeah um but I, I but yes basically what am i doing that shows that i am an ally and that shows that i am that i do care and that i am doing work to help improve those things and yeah. am i at a place where i feel confident that yeah i can say that that i can truly say about myself that um yeah the whole ally thing gets a little gray because there's the idea of like can you declare yourself an ally or is that on someone from the lgbt community to 
say yeah, like, yes, you can't you an claim line, yourself right? like, as an ally yeah, unless exactly. they see you as one. Exactly. So that whole concept. But you know, what am I doing in my work that is showing my commitment to equity and equality and, and ensuring that the world and gaming is a, is a is a place that you know everyone is welcome. And you know that there is always going to be problematic art or problematic artists. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are some of them who that based off of what they have done or what is going on that I'm like, well, right now I don't feel like I could go back and support or help that person. Right. right. Um, or, or, or want to contribute something that is going to, uh, you know, contribute to them. And there are others who like be, because of, you know, the work that I do and, and what I try to do in the life, I kind of try to live and, you know, the, what the content is and how it supports that person. Um, in some ways I feel like, Hey, it's my participation is far less impactful um, in the purchase of this video game than if I went and downloaded Louis CK's web, uh, special from his website, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. There, to me, there are one of them. I, I, and you know, I, one could either easily say, Kyle, you're just bargaining with yourself to get to a point where you feel comfortable and they're both equally bad. That's fine. That is totally fine for someone to think that I believe through the things that I'm doing that isn't the same. Right. So uh, there is never a, good or bad and or, or right way to do this um i have been listening more and more to conversations about like how do you you know like disagree with someone or with and like still see the humanity in them but there are certain places where that's really really hard to do you know like and obviously this is a huge scale, but like, how do you be like, oh, Putin, I don't really like the fact that you're invading Ukraine, but you're still a person, you know, like, how do you like do that all of the time? But I think when it comes to something and, you know, tr with trans folks right now, the situation is obviously extremely challenging, like the bills that are being passed, the legislation that's happening. Yeah. Um, so what am I doing to help in those situations? What am I doing to, you know, lend my voice to trying to prevent those things from happening where I live, you know, or even if I don't live there, like, what am I trying to help do? So it is, a, it is a multi-layered um, situation. And I think a lot of it is just self-reflection and doing the thing that you feel is um, best for you. And, and, you know, can you look at yourself in the mirror and say like, Hey, this is who I know me to be. Um, and I know I am X, Y, Z because of these things that I can point to that I do and how I, support my friends or support or, you know, try to be an ally to people or, or whatever it might be. So it's a complicated situation. Um, you know, I don't know that we're going to, I think we'll talk about the game anytime it comes up like this. We'll probably yeah. talk about when we're playing it. Um, but yeah, like I don't agree or support JK Rowling. Like I don't agree with what she has to say. Like, I think she's wrong. Um, and I feel very comfortable saying that, but you know, in, in this situation, um, you know, I, I am going to buy this game. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess if, if listeners want to judge me and say I'm a bad person as a result of that, you are welcome to do so. Um, I, like I said, I think with the other things I do, I I feel good about where I stand as far as, um, you know, working for equity and equality. So I, I feel OK about it. So, so, yeah, Josh, there's never really a right answer, I don't think. <laughs> I wish there was. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, Josh, I will buy it for us. So then you do oh, not buy it. Oh, that's nice. I can just, yeah, I just don't You can be like, hey, I didn't, buy it. I didn't pay anything it. for it. I did not support the situation. <laughs> and that's like, and that's one of the like big, like ridiculous things too of like, you know, yeah, if you don't buy this game, there's, I'm sure there's direct royalties that are being paid, but also, yeah. you know, how did Warner Brothers be able to, 
you know, afford to additionally sign contracts or buy these rights. Well, it's because that we've participated in buying Warner Brothers things at any point, which includes DC stuff. You know, like it becomes such a yeah, that's a pretty complicated layered mess as far as that goes. But yeah, but yeah. And if you have thoughts or feedback for us, listeners, we want to know. So if you're like, hey, you guys uh, shouldn't do this. I want to hear I I would very open to hearing um, why. Like, I'm not saying my mind can't be changed. That's for sure. But as of right now, that's kind of where I'm sitting at. So cool. Anything else you want to add to that, Josh? Or should uh, we move towards wrapping up this show? Uh, yeah, no, I don't have anything else I want to say about okay. it. <laughs> Let's move on then. All right, everyone, it is going to be prediction time. Obviously, we record on Sundays and post on Tuesdays. So without fail, big news happens. Uh, we, you know, try to make some th- make a prediction about what maybe happened between the time we record and the time we post. So, Josh, what is your prediction this week? Well, it's kind of like yours. I mean, we didn't expect what happened uh, last week. So, I mean, my, like, <laughs> we might as well be expecting um, a first look at The Last of Us uh, TV series and probably, what is it called? Frontiers, whatever we're waiting on. Uh, the multiplayer to Last of Us 2. Oh, uh, uh, factions. Factions, yeah. So um, I think we're overdue. They've been teasing a lot about They've been showing some uh, screenshots of the show. I think they're well enough into production where we can get a hastily produced trailer for the show as well. So, do you think they just need one? Or why yeah, do you think it's I think so. They got to get oh, people okay. who aren't in the game into the game to to want to watch it as well. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Halo's out now, isn't it? Halo comes out this or it comes Friday, out I think. Okay. Okay. So I know the the initial same day as Tiny Tina. Part- <laughs> oh, gotcha. I know the initial uh, reviews I've seen have been pretty positive so far. Oh, nice. That's good. So, yeah, cool. All right. So Josh saying we're going to get a trailer for the Tilo TV show. Um, you know what? Another state of play. Let's just do it at this point. PlayStation just doing states of play left and right. They're just going to do another one. Uh, I don't know for what this time. Uh, definitely not God of War. I'll watch it be God of War. So I'm not going to say that. I take that back. They're going to do a state of play for something. Um, but yeah, man. Whew. Tiny Tina this week. Ghostwire Tokyo this week. Oh, Josh, where's where's the time? Where's the time? <laughs> All right, so that's my prediction. Why not? We're gonna get another state of play. Nice, uh, Josh. Any emails this week? We do. We do. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Paul Calicorner. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's good. Did he come up with that? <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> that's great, Josh. Paul, the Paul Calicorner. I like that. All right, so Paul writes in. Hey, everybody. Daylight savings. Meh. <laughs> I do prefer. <laughs> The sun going down at 9 p.m. instead of 5.30 p.m. Uh, I'm with Kyle on the spring break. I've always had one, so I thought everyone did. All I ever did during break is play video games and play outside back in the day. Now I pick up extra shifts at my burger job. And then he says, ugh. Again, sorry, Josh, for the spoiler on Discord. Paul thought I was way further in Horizon Forbidden West oh. than I was. <laughs> uh, that's Okay um he was asking me specific questions he wasn't the only one someone else spoiled something else for me too um <laughs> he says i picked yara swimming is a bummer because of the lack of combat i dis- i would have to disagree i really enjoy swimming now but it could get boring for me um just give me a spear gun sheesh he says See, that would be cool. There you go. I'm on board with that. That'll be for the third game, I guess. Have y'all made it to the forest yet? And so so far, what has been your favorite machine to hunt? In fear of asking another question that may contain spoilers, I shall refrain. Uh, I have not made it to the forest. 
what is my favorite thing to hunt? Uh, I'm trying to think of what my favorite combat has been with machines. And I think I really enjoy how much more aggressive they made. Uh, I'm going to forget the name. Um, The big giant ones that have the uh, big bulbous back that holds like the whatever liquid that they are type. Are you talking acid. about the um? Bellow. I always want to call them bristlebacks, but that's not what they're called. No, the uh fire like the fire bellow and the, like, yeah, the- yeah, the fire bellows, the bellows. Yeah, I really like how much how they made them much more aggressive. I also do really like the triceratops ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Although they the are awful ones. to deal with. <laughs> how about you? Do you have a favorite um machine, and have you made it to the jungle? Uh, you mean to the forest? Forest. Uh, I have made it to the forest. You will be in the forest soon, Josh. Okay. Um, so I, I'm assuming at least that's the forest that he is referring to. Uh, there's actually a pretty cool fight that happens in that part that uh, as part of the main story mission in that area, which is fun. I really like that one. That was cool. Uh, I, hmm, I I think right now, like obviously Thunderjaws and Stormbirds and stuff are cool. Oh, yeah, though I will yeah. say, I still really I'm really bad at fighting Stormbirds. I don't know why I'm so bad at it. They're tough. At it. <laughs> um, they're my like least favorite, just from a frustrating. I'm like, oh, why can I not take this thing down? I yeah. think I really like fighting Shell Snappers. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I, just because they are like really surprisingly aggressive and like for being like this like turtley thing like they move like they can just like jump so far you know like they can really go really quickly um the fact that they can also go underground and you're like where do they go like i think it's a nice little pawn game that happens with them um and then the other one too that i really enjoy and this is probably because i love hippos is like the hippo guy i can't remember what they're called the hippo whatever they're called um where you have to take out their tusks because those are fun um upgrade materials uh those are probably my favorite ones and they also like shoot out like little like um like the little uh fire containers that yes. like as waste and from i think about butt. it as what's that <laughs> from their butt right well i, I think about it as like because with hippos when they poop they like spin their yeah. tail and it like shoots everywhere that's like what i think of every time yeah. i see them doing that awesome okay cool there you go uh he says no tiny tina for me my borderlands 3 experience was a, was very bland i agree Paul and I am still playing Tarantina, regardless. <laughs> I, how am I the one who finished Borderlands Three? I still don't uh, understand how that worked. That's very surprising to me. And uh, I finished Halo, Josh. Come on, and Far Cry Six. Also very surprising. He <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. Uh, he says that Dino game looked like Anthem to me. He's talking about that di- not Dino Crisis game. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll save judgment prime- for later, though. He says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, super excited for the Kyobunga collection. Uh, he does not have them emula- emulated, as he says. LOL. Thank you guys so much. I can't give monetarily anymore. You don't have to, Paul. This is all it's free. Right. It's all free. Uh, so I'm trying to send you all love through emails now. Uh, that's fine. Our Discord's still free, Paul. And I, I like seeing you in there. So uh, you can also feel free to just you know message us in Discord. But we'll take the emails. You get your own corner now. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're free to the masses. Uh, and he says, only Horizon Forbidden West and Voyager, so no new recommendations this week. Uh, and he says, another great show. So thank you, Paul. Thanks for the email, Paul. Thanks for mm-hmm. contributing to the show. We love I you. I love the Paul Calicorner. That is so good, Josh. Paul Calicorner. Paul Calicorner. 
We got it. All right. Well, obviously, listener, if you ever want to get your own segment on the show, you can email us at portosvg at gmail.com. Hit us up at Twitter. Whatever it might be, we'd love to include you. Well, with that, we're going to move on to our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we're currently into that is helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what's your recommendation this week? Is it cake? I don't know. Is it? (laughs) No. Is it cake? Is this podcast cake? Is it a lie? Is the cake a lie? lie? (laughs) It is, actually. uh, Mostly. Uh, There's a new show on Netflix. It's hosted by Mikey Day of SNL fame. uh, And it is called Is It Cake? And it has has a group of um, talented bakers. And that group never changes. But what does change is who participates in each episode which is pretty fun. So they have, they start with a person. That person gets to pick their competitors uh, for the episode. Well, I should say they start the first episode with three people. The person who wins that episode does get to pick their competitors, two competitors for the next episode. Uh, When uh, what they're doing is they're tasked with uh, creating a real world object and they're trying to fool a panel of judges into guessing is it cake and what will happen is they will be assigned or pick a object to make into a cake and when they do that they get to pick i think it's four other objects of the same object to uh put it in the midst of on podiums when it comes time to guess. And then the judges, there's three judges and they have to stand. I would say they're probably 10 to 15 feet away from these podiums. And they have to collectively pick which one they think is the cake out of the five objects. Only one is cake. Very impressive uh, what they can do. Uh, Mikey Day is very funny. He's a great host. Um, And, uh, all the competitors were a joy to watch. It wasn't like one of those shows where there's one or two people that make you not want to watch it because uh, they're just horrible right. people. Uh, it's very fun. My son loved to watch it too. He's just yelling, is it cake? Is it cake? <laughs> and he's trying, trying to guess which one uh, isn't uh, cake. And then at the end of the show, the person who wins, they win $5,000. And then what's cool is they – they have this thing that spins and then there'll be two items, two objects that will be worth $5,000 in cash, but only one of them is real and one of them is cake and they have to guess which one is cake or they have to guess which one is, it's confusing. The objects are always money. They have to guess which money is cake. And if they guess which one is cake, they get the $5,000 cash. But if they don't guess it right, it adds to the 5,000 for the next episode so it can get up to ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars if no one guesses the cake. Um, so it's cool. So it's, it's a fun show um, for your dose of like if you're like me and you're missing, nailed it. Uh, it's another. It's actually good bakers and a funny host. So uh, check it out. Is it cake on Netflix? Awesome. Well, my recommendation this week uh, is a show on Apple TV Plus that is not over yet for the season. It, it is releasing weekly, so that is always a little bit hesitant for me to recommend, but I'm still going to because um, I've really enjoyed it so far. That is Severance, 
on Apple TV Plus. Josh, have you heard of this show? Have you watched this show? Do you know anything about this show? I have heard of it. I don't know anything about it, but I have wanted to watch it just based on the cast. Yeah. So it is a, uh, it stars Adam Scott and like Britt Lauer and Zach Cherry are probably like the three biggest like um, roles in the show. Um, but John Turturro's in it, Christopher Walken, Patricia Arquette. Like there's a, a number of other people who are um, there in a more supporting role. Uh, and I, I really don't want to give away the premise of the show because I think it's a real, the premise is fascinating. It's very, very interesting. And stylistically, the show is done in a very specific style that you might not like. And that's okay. Um, because it, it really is going for a sense of place and, and, and how it's created. But what I can say is if you enjoy the story of the video game control, yeah, this is probably going to be a show for you. Nice. Um, it's, it's really, really interesting and fascinating. Like, and even just, like I said, the, the premise of the show is enough, I think, to get you through a few episodes of just being really fascinated by how that's working and how it's implemented. Um, and then I got hooked after that. So I still found it fascinating. Um, so if you have Apple TV plus, if you watched Ted Lasso and then forgot to cancel and you still got that hanging around, um, severance, uh, I definitely recommend it. I I'm really enjoying it. And like I said, if you played and like control, and are wanting something that's going to kind of potentially fit that niche from a storytelling perspective, uh, I think you might be right at home with this show. So Nice. Awesome. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. There's a cat scratching at the back of my chair. <laughs> also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag ourselves with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us that rare but always welcomed stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed you can find me on xbox live playstation network twitch steam other places at why so serious that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s kyle where can the people find you so you can find me on all the usual places twitter instagram playstation network xbox live board game geek all at psychocross c-y-c-o-c-r-o-s-s as always if you have suggestions for future topics be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about and remember everyone whether it be board games or video games never stop gaming Kyle Josh sounds like rust I just wanted to uh, send you a little message. I believe you've known each other for quite some time, but you've never met in person. Well, as an outsider, I understand that. But keep training. Keep focused on each other. Have each other's backs. And keep broadcasting that podcast. You're doing God's work. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Best of luck, Rost.